0: Well, let's just jump into this and we'll see where the Lord takes us. <sighs> James, do you got anything? You okay? No, you're good? Okay. I'm just making sure. Praise God. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, this happens very rarely, but I just I kind of sense some stuff. I don't know what's this lots happening here. And I just can we just can we just pray just for a moment, Father? We come to you. Thank you, Lord. You're growing us up quickly, Father. You're training us because these end times are here. We're living in them. And you're training and equipping us for this time that we're in. Father, you're calling specific people. You're calling leaders. You're calling generational leaders in this house, Father, for such a time as this. So, Father, I thank you for every person, every family that's represented here. Lord, we are not just your casual Christian, but we're one of those that you call extreme bunch. We're extreme about your word. We're extreme about the moving of the spirit. Because we know, Lord, that it's in you that we live. It's in you that we move. And it's in you that we have our being. So we just press into you this morning and we give you glory for it. Thank you for showing us how to move and flow with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, that's something that I've, I've endeavored for my own self in this season that we're entering into. I'll probably share that the next couple of weeks, what the Lord's put on my heart for, for us as a church family where we're going. But, uh, you know, one thing that I desire to grow in personally is learning to flow with the Spirit in a more sensitive way. That's a desire of my heart is to walk so closely with Him that when He just taps you on the shoulder, you know, the Bible actually talks about being rain trained. You know what I mean by that? Anybody ride a, ho- ride a horse before? Three people, the rest of you, or something like a mule or a donkey or something. I don't know, whatever it is, but... You know what, sometimes you know when you have the, the bit in the horse's mouth, that's why you put a bit in there to help direct it. If the horse doesn't want to go, you can reef on that bit, and it'll force the horse to go a certain way. But in the psalmist, it actually talks about you and I becoming rain-trained, where we don't need a bit in our mouth or somebody to go, come over here. You can actually just feel the light little rain when the rider's on there. Anybody ridden a horse without a bit before? I have not. Here's a few folks. But what you can do is you can actually just, those reins, you just touch it on the side of the horse. And the horse will feel that and just start going that direction. That's what we ought to be with the Holy Spirit. Not this, man, the Lord's been talking to me for six months. (laughs) Ha ha ha! And you finally get over there. No, I want to be rain trained where the lightest little snudge or just lightest little touch on the inside and I'm going that way. That's the desire of my heart. So that's what we're learning. And I believe that for a church, we're stepping into some greater things than that. Because how many know we need the Holy Spirit to reach the world that we're living in? To grow like believers that we're supposed to, we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'm glad we're excited all about that. So everybody doing well? You're looking good? Good? Awesome. Let's continue talking about honor. We are going to finish up next week. Jamie and I are going to be tag teaming next week together. Yeah, I know. I know. Hold your horses, literally. It's a... But we're going to be just talking about honoring up and, and family things. So excited to do that with her And I I wish we'd done that today. You look so good today, by the way. Just a quick side note. She loves when I call her out in public on how cute she looks. That's plus 10 points. For us guys out there, like that just got me 10 points right there. Okay, so let's talk about honor. Winning the heart of God. This is what we're after is as a church family, we want to be winners of the heart of God. I'm a believer, therefore I want to please my father. And this is, you know, why do we honor? There's three things that I want to share with you. Right off the bat, it's number one because it's the atmosphere of heaven. Honor is the culture of heaven. When you get to heaven, why is heaven the way it is? It's because honor reigns there. It's how it's done. It's how it's lived out. So as an ambassador of heaven to this earth, as a temporary resident in this nation, in this world, guess what? I want to bring the culture from where I'm from to this earth. Right? Feel free to yell back at me. All oh, that helps me a little bit. Okay, number two. Because i mean, or sorry, go back to number one, because it's the atmosphere of heaven that every time that I choose to honor, I'm releasing the power and the presence of God into a situation. So no matter how nasty it gets, no matter how badly, I don't want to honor. How many of you had a choice to honor this week? How many of you felt like honoring? Not all the time. No. So, but when you make the choice to do it, you've just released power and presence. And that is a powerful combination. Number two, then, why do we honor? Because honor positions us to receive rewards that God desires for us. Not only at the judgment seat of Christ when we get to stand before the Lord and give an account for our life that we all have to do, but honor also positions us on this earth to receive the natural blessings that he has for us as well. Honor is a big deal to God. So what I won't want to do, when it's a big deal to God, I want to make make sure it's a big deal in my own life. See, what gets dangerous is what's a big deal to God is a little deal to us, and what's a little deal to God is a big deal about for us, right? We want to make sure we got those properly switched, that whatever's a big deal to God is a big deal to us, right? And honor is one of those things. And as we read Second John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Man, I want a full reward on this earth. Jesus paid too high of a price for me to receive a partial reward. He went to the cross. He died, went to hell for three days and three nights, rose from the dead, seated now at the right hand of the Father, and he purchased a whole lot of stuff for us that I want to experience on this earth. Anybody else want to receive that full reward? Man, absolutely. I want that full reward, everything that he purchased. right? Then lastly, thirdly, because it's a command. Walking in honor is not a suggestion that God asks us. He's not asking for a vote on this. He's saying this is how we're going to do it as the church. So we are honor people, right? Okay. So again, it's so honor that we understand honor and how to live in it. Because again, honor is a spiritual law. Remember 2 Samuel 2, verse 30. I hope some of you can preach this better than I can now by the time we're done all this. because I've been going through these verses. This is like my eighth week now. Anybody know what this verse says without looking at the screen? What's the last sentence say? What's the law of honor? You're reading the screen, y'all. You're, I can see your eyes. <laughs> it says this, those that I, or I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who lightly esteem me. In the NIV, he said, and those who despise me will be disdained. Those that look down at God or the ways of God Notice this, or his ways of operating. Those that look down at it kind of view it as, I don't really need to look at this honor stuff. You know, forget it. That's like, that's for like military stuff. (laughs) That's for military stuff. That's for stuff that's just way out there. I've never been in the military. I just like to dress like one. But that's just for other areas, you know, different things. It's not, not really relevant for me. Well, to look at honor that way and not incorporating into your life, then God says this, because the result they will be disdained, meaning that God pays no attention to these individuals' needs or prayers. That is a big deal. Why, well, I thought God heard everything. You know, the scriptures actually say in Psalms, he doesn't hear everything. <laughs> That's just a nice Christian saying, you throw on a card, and you know, wish, wishing you the best, I hope God hears your prayers. God doesn't hear everything. Did you know that? My mom knew. My mom taught me that. So, does anybody else know? God doesn't hear everything. It's a big deal, and we can see it right here, right right on this verse right here. Those who despise me, this is what God's saying. Those who think lightly of me or my ways, they'll be disdained. This is truth, right? This is law. This is why we got to get this. What does that mean? That God looks lightly at what other people may need or even their prayers. I do not want that to be me. So what do I do? I honor God in his ways, which is the honor principle. God tells me to honor, guess what? I'm going to honor. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of what culture is doing, I am going to honor. Why? Because if I honor God, God will honor me. So what is a way that I get to honor? What is a way that I can show honor to God? We're going to talk about this today is by honoring my peers. Honoring those that are around me. So let's get into this. Honor again means to value. So we're talking about valuing people. We're talking about seeing people as precious Look at the person next to you with those nice butterfly eyes and just say, you're precious. You're so precious. But this is what honor means, right? Honor means to, to value. Everybody say value. value. To see as precious. Honor even carries the meaning of deep respect or respect on steroids. And then really, even Reverence. Reverence. That you can look at the person next to you with reverence. Now, reverence does not mean worship. Right? There's a big difference between reverence and worship. We are only to worship God. We do not worship people at all. Right? We put no people on pedestals. We only put God where he deserves to be. He reigns above it all. Right? He deserves it all. So, But there's a big difference between worship worship and reverence. But we can reverence people, meaning we hold them just with this deep affection, this deep awe for them. Right? That's okay. <laughs> All right. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, 42. Jesus said this, If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. And if you, what? Receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a Come on. What is the word? Reward. Remember, when we honor, becoming reward conscious, right? Every time you hear the word honor, I got to honor. No, I get to because award is attached to honor, right? Everybody say reward. That's what we're here for. We want the rewards that God has given us. We want them, right? He goes on to say, verse 42, and if you even give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded, Rewarded. Do you see what's on Jesus' mind? What's he thinking? Reward. He's thinking reward. When you receive the prophet, when you receive the righteous person, when you receive those that are entrusted to your care, what do you get? You get the reward that's due you. That's a big deal. So, and again, what Jesus is talking here, it's literally church church authority. But we're going to just look at it from this perspective, that there's three groups of people that you and I come in contact with every single day of our lives. Number one, there's people that are above us. Then there's people that are our peers, and then there are those that are entrusted to our care, right? Now, this is always a, this is a bit of a challenge, especially when it comes to relationships, because sometimes your peers, all of a sudden, one may be elevated to now being above you, like a boss, you know, all of a sudden, you're employees together, and all of a sudden, one gets, you know, lifted up to now becoming your boss. You're going to have to learn the adjustment and all that, right? And that's not for today, but we're going to talk about peers or those that are righteous around us, right? Talk about our brother. So that's talking about everybody in this room, Okay. First of all, before you receive the reward, what comes first? Honor, or in other words, just receiving somebody. Honor or receive. I want to talk about this word receive because it says here, we have to learn how to receive our fellow believers. Learning to receive somebody. What if they're different? What if they're nerdy? Anybody, I'm the only one up here. Anybody ever meet somebody that's a little bit different than you? The Bible says we're supposed to receive them. Because when I receive them, what do I get? I'm going to get the reward that's for righteous folk. But first and foremost, what comes first is the, re- is the receiving aspect. right? And This is the big part we want to talk about. How do we receive fellow believers? And I want you just to turn in your Bibles here for a moment. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read it to you from Passion. But I want you to just look at it in your Bibles for a moment. Because right here, 2 Corinthians really is, a, is a, a book that the Apostle Paul wrote. And it is the most intimate book that he wrote to any other epistle. Because he surely shares his heart. He shows his heart towards these Corinthian people. He really exposes himself. He basically pours out his heart. And here, I'm going to show you what I'm really like. And this is, I want to just show you a part of this scripture right here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse Verse 11. And he says this in the Passion Bible. He says, my friends at Corinth, our hearts are wide open to you, and we speak freely, holding nothing back from you. If there is a block in our relationship, it is not with us. You ever heard that? It's not me, it's you? (laughs) Yeah, That's what he's saying. It's not me, it's you. He's sitting across from the table with the Corinthian church and saying, it's not me, it's you. If there is a block in our relationship, it is not with us. For we carry you in our hearts with great love, yet you still withhold your affections from us. So I speak to you as our children, make room. Everybody say, make room. Make room room in your hearts for us as we have done for you. Everybody say, make room. You got to make room for some people. The same way, I mean whether you're, you know, you got cats or whatever you got going on in your house, you make room. More kids that we had, we had to make room. Now, of course, we've, we're done making room. That is it. We're finito. <laughs> but every time that somebody comes into a church like this, it's a big deal. Maybe, maybe you're visiting. This is your first time. It's a big deal sometimes for people to walk into this building. And what I want to talk about this morning is making room for one another, yeah. making room for each other in all their quirkiness. Because as we said, I think we said this last week, that church, it can get a little bit messy. Why is it messy? Because we got quirky people in here. Anybody sit beside a quirky person? (laughs) Hands shot up? Okay, yeah, that's... (laughs) Guess who your partner is for the next week. But listen, a messy church is actually good. Anybody want a good messy church? Things are supposed to get messy. I actually enjoy it. Not, you know, there's a good mess and a bad mess. You can fight good or you can fight bad. There's a proper way to fight, and I'm not going to get into that today. Oh, that's a really good topic, how to fight properly with a fellow believer, because sometimes fights are good. Did you know that? Okay, I'm just I'm going to bring it. Me and Javen fought a lot growing up. But you know what? Sometimes what a good fight does, like I'm talking a healthy one, what a good fight does, and again, we're not talking about just beating each other up or trying to yell your way, but you're fighting with the purpose to understand. What happens is that you actually get tighter afterwards. It is so vital. It's so important. So healthy healthy fights are good. Unhealthy fights are not good. Okay, just so we're clear on that. But look at what Paul says again, verse 13. I speak to you as our children. Make room in your hearts for us as we have done for you. Another word of saying making room is we need to learn to expand our capacity for people. Learning to expand our capacity for them. Because again, I want to remind you Romans 5.5, 5, we'll get to this later. But the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You have within you the ability to love like God loves. Now that kind of may sound whatever to you, but when I hear that now, man, I just think that is tremendous power that's being made available. When you're able to love somebody in spite of who they are or what they've done, you love them like God, now we're talking about increase, now we're talking about a major effect in not only this person's life, but the entire world. How can I save the entire world? Well, Jesus said, when you show love for one another, not your love for the world. It's almost, isn't it weird that sometimes Christians love the world more than their own brother? Oh, we got to reach those people. we got to reach them. Yeah, Jesus said reach them, but he said love your brother. This is where the tricky part is. If you can learn to love him, it will be an example for them. Oh, this is what it's like. Okay, I will want in because they're looking for a love. And so we are learning how to honor our peers. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Making room. We're going to go right into this. Making room. Now the first part is going to be a little bit like a, a punch in your gut, but that's okay. We'll clean it up after. And then we'll just kind of smooth it all out right afterwards. But we need to discuss this aspect of it first. And in Romans chapter 12, 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, says it like this. Don't just pretend to love others. Stop pretending. Everybody say it with me. Stop pretending. Stop pretending. To love somebody. He says, really love them. (laughs) Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10, it says it like this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, let me read this to you real quickly in the Passion Bible. It just says something neat. He says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. What would that be called? Starts with an H. Hypocrite, hypocrisy. He's saying, "Stop it!" Now, notice who is Paul talking to? Is he talking to the world? Who's he talking to? The church. He says, "Church, take off your mask." Uh, no, no, this, that's. I'm just. That had nothing to do with the natural surroundings that are growing around here. He's saying, "Take off the mask, the hypocrisy. Take it off. We finish it off." He says this. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. Man. So there's the, this is the competition between you and me. That we're going to outdo one another in love. You just, you just love me, bam, I'm going to love you even harder. You just love me even hardest, well, bam, I'm going to do even better. That's the competition that you and I ought to have. It's not about who's better, who can look better, who can pray better, sing better, smell better, whatever. It's all about who can love. That's what we're after. You know, I, I was at a conference, so this was a couple years back, and one of the things that this gentleman said, um, I actually didn't, I didn't know this gentleman, but he said that he, he had a, a visitation or a vision in heaven, and the Lord actually said to him before he got up there, he was so excited to be there, and Lord, I'm so excited to be with you, and he was just like jumping up and down, and Jesus was just kind of standing there, just like this, looking at him. And like, Lord, where's, I thought this was a reciprocated excitement. Like, I'm excited to see you. You're excited to see me. He wasn't feeling the love. And he said, have you learned how to love yet? And it just totally shocked this man. And then he came back into his body. Oh, here I am. And so that had been like his message for the last, I guess, five, ten years. Is have you learned how to love yet? Because that's what he's interested in. Now, look at this. First, I'm going to break down these verses again in verse 9 and 10. But it says, true love has no hypocrisy. No hypocrisy. Say it with me. No hypocrisy. True love has no hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is this concealment of one's real character or their motive. Right? They dress it up real nice. But what is hypocrisy? Again, it's to conceal how you really feel. Now... It's easy to put a mask on in the culture that we're living today. For an example, someone shows that they honor you by their outward actions or by their words. But on the inside, they criticize, they despise, or they even envy you. Or, in your absence, they cut you down, defame, or slander you. Anybody ever have that happen to them before? Somebody is real cute to your face. All of a sudden, when you go away, all of a sudden they start talking behind your back. That's happened a few times to me. What does it do? It hurts. It hurts, and this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, that has to stop. Hypocrisy has got to stop, and he's not talking to the world, because guess what, the world, they're full of hypocrites. And until you have the love of God on the inside of you, it's hard to get out of that. But for the church that has the love of God in us, hypocrisy has got to stop. When I say, I love you, I don't just go, yeah, but you know, you're a real loser, actually. I love you, but I know what you're like, I know what you did, I know what you think, you're a real idiot all of that has got to stop because that's actually killing the message of the gospel. Okay. Now look at this. To extend true honor, it must be done without hypocrisy as there's no reward for counterfeit honor. There's no reward for counterfeit honor. So a question is, how do I get out of pretending? How do I take the mask off? And as the Apostle Paul says, how do I now hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good? The answer is the fear of the Lord. This is how I'm going to be able to make room for people, make room that I can genuinely love somebody, is when I truly fear the Lord. Because again, how do I do this? This this is a big question. How do I make room for people? It's by fearing God. This is where it all begins. Anybody desire to have a bigger capacity on the inside of them? I do. You want to reach more people. You want the gifts of the Spirit to be operating in your life. Guess how it comes? First and foremost, it comes by a reverential fear of the Lord so that I can properly love people. Not a hypocrisy love. Not a love that I love you, but I really know what you're like, so I'm going to talk to you behind your back. God's not going to use that. He's not able to allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you because the gifts of the Spirit are first and foremost rooted and grounded in love. Genuine love. Because what are the gifts for? To build up, to empower, to strengthen. That's what they're there for. They're there to encourage you and I. But if we're not in love, the gifts won't be able to flow. This is why it's so crucial. This is why Jesus said, love one another. Why? So that the gifts can start moving, so that divinity can come in and speak. Divinity can come in and show and release the power of God, release the presence of God. That's what he desires to do, but he needs an avenue to work through. So how do I as a Christian, how do I make room for people? How do I expand my influence on the inside? First and foremost it comes from fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 in the New Living it says all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Amen. So according to this verse we just saw in Romans chapter 12, what is hypocrisy? God calls it evil. He hates it. So it says this, again looking at Romans chapter 8, you, do you see that in your Bible? Romans 8:13 it says that all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Anybody tired with the just sometimes some of the junk that's in their life? I hate, absolutely hate it. Whatever, whatever it is. Maybe it's just a, a white lie over here. Or maybe it's just a, maybe it's a little bit of a, a porn addiction over here. Maybe it's a little drug thing. Or maybe it's a drinking once in a while. Or maybe it's just yelling out of, releasing out of anger. All, whatever it is. It doesn't matter how big, how small it is. If there's some stuff in your life that you're just tired of it, he says here's the foundation to it is to fear the Lord. What is fearing God? It's getting our awe back. It's getting our reverence going, oh God, you're amazing to me. Till Until that comes back, those little things will continually be a hassle in our life. So he's saying we have to have proper fear for the Lord. Because again, what is the fear of the Lord? Those will, who fear the Lord, they will hate evil. Anybody ever tried that before? I'm gonna hate doing this stuff that I'm doing. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And maybe you, in your, inside your own soul, yeah, you do hate it, but how do I get out of this thing? The fear of the Lord. Come on, say it with me the fear of the Lord. This is where it begins. The fear of the Lord keeps me from deceiving ourselves. How you know the biggest fool in the block is the one that deceives themselves? What's the problem with dece- deception? It's deceiving. You think you know, but you don't know. That is the worst place on earth to be. So the fear of the Lord will keep you from self-deception. Hey-oh, that's what I want. Especially in the times that we're in today. Come on, somebody. This is a nuts world out there. It's nutty, it's loony, it's, it's crazy. What is it full of? Self-deception. I think I'm right, but I'm actually wrong, but I'm convinced I'm right. It's a dangerous place to be. So what protects me from that is reverential fear, of the Lord. He'll keep me on track. He'll keep me online. You know, Paul even said this to the Philippian church. He said, carry out now your salvation with fear and trembling. This is how we live our life. This is how believers, we got to get back to the very basics of this, of fearing God. This is where we got to get back to it. I read this. I said, I think I said this scripture to you last week. I believe Proverbs chapter 22, near the end of it, He says, listening to crazy men in the Passion Bible, listening to the outspoken craziness of men, will actually take away the awe of God from your life. And what is the social media platforms full of? Talk, 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 talk of crazy, 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 crazy. What does it do? You get so wrapped up in it. And what happens on the inside of you? You get angry. Maybe you're thinking, oh, this is so, this is nuts. I can't believe what's going on. Careful. Because what's it trying to do? The devil's a perfect distractor. He knows what entices us. Yeah. What's he trying to do? He's trying to take away the awe to our heavenly father. Yeah. Wow, meanwhile, we're so angry at every scroll we go through. Meanwhile, just stop and look how beautiful the trees are changing. Yeah. Who did that? Seasons come, seasons go. That's our God. Yeah. But what happens? We lose sight of all that because of what we're seeing. And we just focus in on this. And well, I wear a mask. I don't wear a mask. You should wear a mask. I shouldn't wear a mask. Ah! And we start fighting each other, and the awe of God is gone, and there's no reverential fear, and you're going, God, where are you? Why isn't anything happening? Why isn't anything changing? Oh, God, I'm just praying. How come I'm not hearing anything back? It's because we've lost our fear. We're distracted by all the current talk of today instead of being the changer that we're supposed to be in the presence of God. I'm called to be in the presence of God. I'm not called to tell you my opinion on what I think or don't think. This is our lane as believers. My job is to love. This is where I stay. This is where I stand. If you want to wear a mask, go for it. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't go for it. It doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord, as I say, keeps us from deceiving ourselves. But also, it also keeps us from blinding ourselves to hypocritical behavior. And I'll just tell you this right now. This is something that the Lord is personally working on in me for my own self. Because one of the biggest traps, something that I've fallen into many times, is Hmm, hmm, people-pleasing. Listen, I could be like, I mean, just looking at my personality, something the Lord told me to do is I want you to get a little bit more understanding of yourself. I want you to see who you really are. You know, just what makes you go, what makes you tick. And finding back to some of these things, because of the type of personality, again, I'm not blaming my personality because I can change my personality. I'm not, it doesn't govern me, tell me what to do. The word tells me who I am and what I can do. My personality is just a nice avenue to showcase what God is like. Just to, so you better like my personality. (laughs) No, but I can dress myself up in any kind of way. I know how to be anybody, what anybody needs in a room, I know how to be that person. And so what it, what it came to me, like there's advantages to that but I started to slide on the disadvantage side of it where I became a people pleaser, that I would say things to them in order to make sure that their perception of me is that I'm nice. And we aren't called to be nice. There's no scripture in that at all to see he's a really nice guy. Great, and a phony at the same time. Don't agree with that. That's just what I said about myself. You you take care of yourself. You do you, I do me, okay? Just back off. So what I'm, what I'm sharing with you this morning is something that I'm personally just working on in my own life and just getting, just getting the Lord's grace and ability to see properly so that I can probably uh, be an ambassador for Him. Amen. Now, God ta- talking about pretending, as I said, like let's look at Isaiah chapter 29 here for a moment. So again, I want you to show this is what God said about His people. He said, these people, they say they are mine. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. What is hypocrisy? Is when my mouth is saying this, but my heart is over here. How do I get rid of hypocrisy? Is that when my mouth and my heart are in line. So that what I say comes from a heart of truth, not this. You should do this. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, I'm going to go do that. It's what I say and what I do line up. This is the truth. This is what we're fighting for. Even in our own hearts and our own lives. But this is what God's even saying. He's saying these people, they say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Now what does rote mean? R-O-T-E. It means this for those that had no idea. Anybody read a dictionary for fun as a kid? Yeah, me neither. Okay. Okay. Rote means this, a mechanical or habitual repetition of something to be learned. It's just taught, something that you've learned. And so what does it become? It's habit that I just say this over and over and over again because it's the right thing to say. Right? Like what we do so well in. Hey, how's it going? Good. And I just walk on by. It becomes rote. It becomes kind of a normal thing to do. Right? It just, it's become habit. Yeah. Now, so what is God saying? He's saying the people, they show honor with their mouths, but their hearts are not in it. It's honor with hypocrisy, which is not honor at all. Their reverence for me consists of routine, something that is just habit. Now, why do they behave like this? It's because there's no reverential fear of the Lord. There's no fear of God. It's so easy to say, glory to God, hallelujah in the highest, amen. It just becomes, blah, 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 blah. we just put it in a part of our vocabulary and it just comes out, not thinking about what we're actually saying. Maybe I'm just preaching to me this morning, but I'm, 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 I'm fine. So how does fearing God make room in my heart for fellow believers? Because my focus will be in honoring God by speaking truth and love from my heart and not just the appearance of being nice. Here, I'll give you an example. Let's say, uh, I need a couple of names. Joe and Bill. All right, we got Joe and Bill here. Joe, Bill. Joe, all of a sudden, let's just, let's just throw this kind of hypothetical example out here for a moment. And if this, if this equates with you, then so be it. But Joe is in a hurry to a meeting. He's five minutes late already, and he needs to be on time for this meeting that he's about to attend. As he's walking down this busy street, all of a sudden, he sees Bill in the distance on the other side of the street. So what does he do? Man, I, I, I don't want to see Bill. I'm going to be late. And at the same time, I don't really like Bill. He smells a bit funky on church. I just I don't want to see him. So what happens is he kind of sees them, but he kind of ignores them. All of a sudden, like he needs to cross the street. He kind of keeps in a bird's eye view on Bill just to make sure they're not going to come into contact with one another. All of a sudden, guess what? Their eyes meet. And there's this moment. Joe goes, shoot. Bill goes, yes. So all of a sudden what happens is now Bill now comes across the street to go greet his brother in Christ. And he says, Joe, it's so good to see you. And Or Joe says, yeah, it's good, so good to see you, Bill. Uh, but you know what? I, so, I, sorry, I have to get to a meeting. I can't talk. Pray, or let me just back this up. Now as they meet, he goes and says this. Praise God, Bill. It is so good to see you. How are you? How's the family? You know what? I can't talk right now, but it would be so good. Maybe I'll give you a call sometime this week. We'll catch lunch. He walks away. Exit scene, end of movie clip. Let's now be the Rotten Tomatoes and let's dissect this a little bit. What just happened here? You have Joe, who, I mean, if you don't even think about it, praise God, Bill, so good to see you. First of all, was he thinking about God in that moment? No. Why did he say it? It's because it shows his faith, it shows Hey, his upbeatness, uprightness. Oh, glory to God in the highest, Bill. It's so good to see you. Just to show, hey, this is how I greet my Christian brother. Have anybody been greeted like that before? Praise the Lord, Joel. It's so good to see you. Are you sure? (laughs) And then what did he say? So good to see you. What was he thinking two minutes ago? I hope Bill doesn't see me. I can't stand that guy. He smells funny. So what did he just do? Lie. Okay, then he says, I can't talk right now. I'm going to a meeting. That's truth. But he says, why don't you give me your number, or I got your number. I'm going to give you a call. Maybe we can go hit lunch up sometime with the intention of never, ever calling him. Now let me ask you this question. Why isn't Joe crumbling under conviction? Because what did he just do? He just blatantly lied over and over. So good to see you. Meanwhile, you can't stand the smell of that guy. What's happening Anybody have an answer? All right. He's learned to love in pretense only. He's learned how to say the right things so that the appearance of himself is not rude. He knows how to talk. It's very quiet in this house right now. Maybe online they're yelling, but I'm just... This, this is a big deal. He just lied. I'm going to see you for... I'll, maybe we'll go for lunch sometime with no intention of doing that. What's going on? He's learned to love in pretense because of a lack of fear of God in his life. Now, again, this leads him to a mechanical, habitual lifestyle which shows love and honor when in reality it's just a hollow form of love. It's hollow. There's nothing in it. So walking in the fear of the Lord keeps us aware of the fact that God knows every detail, knows every thought and intent, along with every word that we speak. When I fear God, I know that he's listening to everything that's coming out of my mouth. He knows every thought that I'm thinking. He's knowing every motivation of my heart. The fear of the Lord changes the way you live completely. Look at this in Psalm chapter 34. It says this in verse 11. I don't know if I have that on the screen, so I'll turn there in your Bible for a moment. Because the fear of the Lord is something that you get taught in. You can teach yourself in it. Did you know that? Maybe you didn't grow up in a God-fearing home. That's okay. Doesn't, you can still be part of the group. right? God wants you to fear him. God wants that awe respect because there's tremendous blessing in it. right? Look at this, Psalm chapter 34, verse 11. It says, come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Parents, this is what we do for our children. We've got to teach our children to fear God. What does that mean? Not that you're, oh, God, if I do something wrong, achy. no. We, can, we show how we fear God, first of all, by our own examples, that we have this deep respect for God. I want my kids catching me that I'm fearing God. A lot of times, they'll come catch me, and I'll be in my room. I'll be on my knees before the Lord. I want them to see that, because what happens, that's showing an example of what the fear of the Lord looks like. As long as I think I, or As long as I think that, wait, I'm saying that wrong. As long as I, or as long as I think that they're thinking I'm everything, does that make sense? That's not my goal. I don't want them thinking I know everything, because do I? No, my mom was quick to answer no. I don't, but I don't want my kids thinking that I know everything. So a lot of times, my boys will ask me a question, and for real, like, you know what, guys, we need to ask the Lord about that one. The Lord knows exactly where that is. We'll flip open the Bible and say, okay, what does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? That's something we're training our kids that any time a question arises or any a problem comes, boys, or, Papa, I can't find the Xbox controller. Hey, let's ask the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly where it is. What am I doing? I'm continually telling them to go to God, not Google, God, not Google, God. What am I doing? We're teaching how to fear the Lord. It's a good place to be because when you fear the Lord, it keeps you from, from falling for one. Then look at verse 12. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? It's a question we got to answer. Anybody want that life? Long and prosperous. Say it with me, long and prosperous. Not short and poor. <laughs> Do you want to live short and poor? Well, don't have to fear God. You want to live long and prosperous? Listen, dying is easy. The trick is to live here. How do I live on this planet? The fear of God. How do I make more room for people? How can I be a bigger influence and reach more people? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of any kind of influence in this area. This is where it begins. Okay. Verse 13. So does anyone want to live a long, prosperous life? Yes. Okay, verse 13. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Lies. Oh, so good to see you, Bill. Now I'll give you a call sometime. We'll go out for lunch. Guess what that was? That was a lie. Well, no, I was just trying to be nice. That's the problem. We're just trying to be nice. The problem is to speak the truth in love. Can we see the difference on that? Rather than just a hollow pretense of what love is, I actually want to showcase the love of God. Okay. Now, verse 14. He says, Again, if you want to live long and prosperous, I keep my tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. What does that mean if you're going to maintain peace? That means you're going to have a little bit fight. Fights are going to arise. So what do you do? You maintain peace. Not out of, oh, fine, that's just what you think. Well, you're an idiot, but I got to love you from afar, so I'll do that. That's hypocritical. That's not going to work. We're talking about a genuine love for God and from this reverential fear, I can properly love you, even if I disagree with you. You wear a mask. I don't wear a mask. I can still be your friend. This is where the great divide is taking place. And as we go further into these last days, our stances get more solidified in this rock and we become, till we got angry people, even in the church. You you wear a mask. You're an idiot. I thought you believed God. Where is all that coming from? It's coming out of a hard wall. First of all, there's a lot going on on the inside of there. But if there was reverential fear for God, would you talk to your actual brother or sister that way? No. Man, I wouldn't. If, if Javen was a mask wearer and if I wasn't, saying this example, and all of a sudden I look at him, you are an idiot. What's wrong with you? Sure, I mean, I could talk to him as a brother and just say, there's something wrong with you, man. Or he can look at me and go, what's wrong with you? You're stupid. What would happen? My mom would break down into tears and we would just separate. Family gatherings. Well, Javen's going to go. Well, take your mask downstairs and eat, man. I'm going to sit up here where it's nice to breathe. I, could you imagine the, the the separation that's taking place? And guess what it's doing to families. This is what the enemy is after: is division. Forget the world. If they want to wear them, let them. If they don't want to wear one, let them. It doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is in the house. Is this respect for one another? We've got to get that back if we want to see the miracles that you've been praying about. You want to be used by God in a greater way. I know you've been praying that. I've been praying that. What's it going to take? Real love for my brother. Genuine affection. That all of a sudden, if he's wearing a mask, I'm not thinking, what an idiot. Must be from a different type of mainstream church or something. You're laughing because you thought it. I've had those thoughts. So I'm just going, okay, Lord, I need this checked up on the inside. I want the true love of God to come out. Yeah. Why? If my brother wants to wear one, Javen, Eric, go for it. I'm still going to love you at a distance. <laughs> no, you have a mask on. I can hug you. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, let's do it. <laughs> but can, can you see this? It all comes from a heart. First of all, I'm going to respect. I have this reverential fear for God. I value God so much that I'm not going to despise His creation. Who am I? My, I deserved hell. I deserved sickness. I deserved disease. I deserved it all, yet He extended mercy to me. And listen, you may be right. There's nothing wrong with being right. Being right's good. But you can be wrong in the way that you bring it out. And that is vital. Because again, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, it says, The sweetness of lips increases learning. The tenderness of your lips increases learning. Not the more points you make. Dear Lord, so many of those. But it's the sweetness of your lip that increases learning. I've even noticed that in disciplining my children, I don't come at them and go, I'm going to whoop you so hard, boy. You better get over here. And what happens? They're going to run away. There's going to be no learning. I don't want to just spank my kids without them learning something. Unless spanking is for fun. I haven't had that quite yet. But I want them to learn. Okay. Are we still doing all right? Okay. It's in our awe for God that we're able to love purely and in truth. Now look again, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Let's look at this again. One more moment. He says, love each other with genuine affection. Love one another with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in it. You don't have to honor. You get to honor. Oh, there's my brother. Man, there they are. There there she is. Whatever it looks like to you, I get to honor. You see somebody, you know, there's a lot of baby carriers around in this place. You see somebody, a mama or a dad carrying a, a booster seat. Hey, can I help you carry that up? Well, I look stupid if I do that. What if they don't like it? It's just extending kindness. Really, what is honor? If I'm showing honor, honor gives preference to others because it values and esteems them. Who's going to get the best parking spot? You have it. No, you have not Well, somebody better just take it. (laughs) But it's just, it's thinking that way. Somebody took my seat. It's okay. There's about 100 other ones just like it. They took my favorite donut. Ah, Go to Tim Hortons afterwards and buy one. Like, can you see how we can get caught up on things? I'm not saying this happens here. I'm just saying in general, right? But it's esteeming others more important than myself. Okay, now look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Everybody still doing all right? i got just a few more minutes. It says this Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose. And you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Do you see what he's fighting for? Unity. He's fighting for together. Then he says, don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourself. This is a big one. Now, before I go on a little bit further, the reading chapter or verse 4, did you know that Jesus would never ask you to do something that he himself does or that he himself won't do? Everything he's asking here, he does it. Because, again, what would that be? Hypocritical. Did you know that Jesus views you as more important than himself? You think about that? Put that in your journal and soak in that for a little bit. Jesus, he views me more important than himself. Hello, the head of the church, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God of glory. Hello, am I ringing a bell? Jesus. Sorry, is this maybe a Hebrew school? Yeshua. The Almighty is saying he views you more important than he does himself. That's why he hung on the cross. (laughs) What did he do? While While he's standing or hanging there completely naked for the world to make fun of and blaspheme and laugh at, he did it because he thought you were more important. That's something else. Imagine if you had a prideful Jesus. He'd be off that cross so fast. In fact, he would even go to that cross. It's humility. Humility is the way forward in any relationship. If you are at a standstill, if you are stuck, if you're going over, rather than making it a mountain, make it a little speed bump. How do I go over a mountain? How do I go over a speed bump? The beginning place is humility. That's where it starts. If there's a wrong relationship between somebody, how do I get off it? Humility. But they did. It doesn't matter. What would humility do? How can you make it work on that end so at least you know your heart's right? You're not in charge of what they do, of what they say, how they think, how they act. That's completely up to them. We don't control anybody. But I want to make sure my heart is right so that I can stand before the Lord and get my reward that's due me. Can you see this? This is what I'm after. I'm after a clear conscience. Okay, look at verse 4 then, continuing on. He says, Abandon every display of selfishness Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Now, what happens when a a relationship goes south is this happens in the opposite. This is just what it is right here. Abandon every display of selfishness. Well, if you're going to have a crappy relationship, be selfish. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others. Well, what that individual is, I'm thinking what matters more to me than I do to you. That's a bad relationship. So, if we would just operate this way, it would turn things around. Then look at verse five and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Listen, let his mindset become your motivation. What is motivation? You get oh, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. What's, what's motivating you and I to love our brethren? It's his mindset. His, come on, say it with me, mindset. I don't have to wait for you to show love to me to love you. What am I motivated by? His mindset. What's his mindset? I'm going to esteem you better than I do myself. But Lord, if I do that, I'm going to be trampled on. <laughs> it may look that way. But if you do it out of a motivation for honoring God, guess what? He will honor you. That's the honor principle. You honor him, he'll honor you. But I look so stupid. I don't want to do it. Yeah, fifty—no, 90% of the time, we all don't want to do it. But it's not about what I feel like doing. It's about doing what this says. This is what walking by faith means. Walking by faith means I take the word of God and I apply it to my life and I become a doer of it, not just a hearer of it. we got too many hearers in the body. We need to see actual doers of this. Are we all okay? Maybe just high-five your neighbors. and say, you know, respect me. Okay, so he's saying, let his mindset become your motivation. Remember, he'll never ask us to do something that he himself is, doesn't do. And let me just give you one, I'm going to give you one example that I'm closing up. But the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul really shows and shares his heart about his Hebrew brothers. And again, this verse is, there's no Bible scripture in there that is to uh, make it look bigger than it is. What's, what's the word of, what's the word? exaggerating. There's no exaggerating in the scriptures. Romans chapter 9, Paul says it like this. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with other truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ if that would save them. This is not exaggerated. In fact, the Bible would never, the Holy Spirit would never allow that in the scripture if it was exaggerating. How could the Apostle Paul say that I'm willing to be cut off from my salvation? I'm willing to go to hell for eternity if that would save my brother and sisters in the Jewish community. How can he do that? First of all, he put the love of God and the honor of God. He imprinted it on the inside of him. He's a human just like you and I. We have the same ability to do the exact same thing. But wow. It doesn't come naturally to us. You have to put it in. The love of God is not natural. It's supernatural. It goes above and beyond what anybody could ask or think. It's beyond. So this is what he did. He put it down on the inside of him. And he actually was able to say, I'm willing to go to hell for eternity and burn and be in torture forever. Not just for a year or two. Forever. If it would just save my brothers and sisters in the Jewish life. That's, a, that's huge. How could he do that? Because he put the love of God on the inside of him. He imprinted it on his mind till it became overflowing in him. You and I have the exact same capability of doing that. Do you realize the potential that we have as born again children of God? Do you see the potential that we have? We could love everybody into the kingdom of God. We could reach our entire city with the love of God. You don't need all these great events, although that's, that's good to do. It's a great bridge, you know, in order to see people that the church ain't weird and spooky, right? It's a great way to invite somebody. You just showing love to your brother, guess what? It stands out. It stands out. Why do we love those romantic comedies? We're good ones anyway. Is it because somebody goes over the top to love somebody when they don't deserve it? Oh, I just loved it so much. It brings you to tears in the movie theater with your popcorn and your pop and you're just a mess. Why? Because it's love that's beyond just natural human thinking. You are capable of that. Now we got to see some sob stories from you and I. This is what God has called us to, to love. Listen, yes, the world, but first in the house. If we can't love the house probably, forget the world. We don't want more people in this mess. You hear what, Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? Put it in your pocket. This is a big deal to God because when brothers and sister can love together, listen, it's going to start in this house and it's going to trickle to other churches. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do good, not phony love. Again, when we just say, oh, I love you. What does that even mean? I love you. I love you too. Thanks. I don't even know who you are. You took my parking spot just five minutes ago. Like... What what does that even mean? When I say I love you, and I want this, like, just to really check that on the inside, what do I actually mean? What's motivating it? Because if I'm actually serious about loving you, then I have no problem serving. I have no problem coming down in a lower position to make sure that you're elevated. I'm okay sweating up here in 21 degrees, because somebody said it was cold last week. So what do I do? Sweat for you, baby. Sweat for you. It was Julian. So <laughs> Julian's always cold, so we'll we'll keep you we'll keep you warm. <laughs> I'm totally kidding, I'm just picking on Julian. So lastly, how can I do this? The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. It's there, it's in you. Use it. Okay. Build the love of God strong inside your heart and mind. Go over 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. See yourself acting out in every situation according to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Ooh. How does that look when I go to the mall? How does that look when somebody, some parent is freaking out at school? How does that look when somebody in the grocery store loses their mind about a mask? How does that look? You have to pre-build this in before you go. (laughs) Because if listen, to the point where all of a sudden where you can just this is built so strongly in you you can just go with it, but let me encourage you. This is who we are. I am patient and I am kind. That's not just a confession. That's who I am. I am patient and I am kind. Say it with me. I am patient and I'm kind. While I'm being patient, I'm kind in it. <laughs> I've been waiting here for hours. Oh, I'm kind. And it also goes, if you read it, should we read it real quick and then we'll finish it? Let's read it, then we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Because the Amplified will kick our butt and then we'll be good. 1 Corinthians 13. Amplified. Classic edition. Verse 4. Here it is. Love endures long and is patient and kind. So instead of the word love, I'm going to just use the word I. Okay? Okay? I never am envious, nor do I boil over with jealousy. I am not boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself pridefully. I am not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. I am not rude, and I do not act unbecomingly. God's love in me does not insist on my own rights or my own ways. Ow! Come on, somebody. Does it feel good? I am do not insist on my own rights or my own way. I, say it with me, I do not insist on my own rights or my own way. Why? Because I'm not self-seeking. Say it, I'm not a self-seeker. Wouldn't that change church? I'm not a self-seeker. What are you seeking then? The benefit of other people. Man, whoo, PTL, that means praise the Lord. He says this, it is, I am not touchy, oh, I am not touchy, not touchy or fretful or resentful. I take no account of evil done for me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. You may have to grit your teeth for a bit on this, but over time you'll develop in it. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Say it with me, I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. This is what we have to be confessing in our life. Because this is who you actually are. Well, I sure don't feel it. It has nothing to do with feelings. This is who you are on the inside. You're a child of the Most High God. Therefore, you pay no attention to a suffered wrong to you. Does it hurt? Sure. Of course, there's healing time. Of course, there's the things that you have to confront. Of course, we're maintaining peace. It's not like somebody just does something wrong. I'll be a good soldier and just take it. No, if somebody does something wrong, you have the full right according to the word to maintain peace. But again, I'm not going to hold on to this for 10, 15 years. Let alone 10, 15 days. I don't got time for that. I need to hear from God. Okay. Verse 6. I do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. But I rejoice when the right and truth prevail. This is a big one. Love bears up under anything. I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are failess under all circumstances, and I endure without weakening. I never fail. Amen. That's a good confession. Yes. And that's who you and I are. Amen? Amen. So let me encourage you. I'm done. This is, this is what I will encourage us. This week, take time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Start speaking those things over yourself. I am patient and kind. When I walk into that store, listen, what we need now is patient and kindness, being exuberant. And who's going to do it the best? The church. Because I don't want the church or the world going, are you a church guy or not? You, you look like you look like a churchy kind of guy, but man, it sure ain't acting like one. That ain't doing nothing for nobody. I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am patient and I'm kind. Amen. Okay, Father God, we thank you so much for helping us do this. We thank you that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We receive it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.